Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process podcast. We've been married 12 years, 11 good ones, and have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I have been an entrepreneur since I was five, and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and real estate team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Woohoo! Good to be with you. How's it going, friends? How is everybody out there? You know, we are excited as heck for this week. Um, so many folks want um, some sort of a guide some sort of a, a way of, of understanding uh, how to achieve uh, success in their goals. And uh, we're going to talk about something I've been teaching out for uh, uh, at least a decade. And I've probably been implementing in my life for uh, the better part of two decades. And uh, it's called KVA. KVA. And KVA stands for? Knowledge. Vision. And actions. That's right. We're so cute. KVA. We are. <laughs> we planned that. And so uh, we actually practiced it last night just to be ready. Uh, not true. It's not true at all. <laughs> but uh, but we, are going to, we are going to practice KVA while Tiger takes a nap. And, uh, sorry, talk about KVA. Knowledge, vision, and action. And, and it is in order. And, uh, and the order matters. Um, you know, last week we talked about sometimes uh, we, we don't know that we're putting the cart before the horse uh, because emotionally it might feel better to do that. Um, but we're going to we're going to really try to highlight uh, the importance of mastering these three things in systematic order uh, so that you can gain uh, the best results for your life and, and really so that you can attain uh, the best results for the mission that you're on, uh, you know, assumably you can discover through the K, what's my mission? Um, K means knowledge, uh, that we would continually um, read of good books. John Wooden had seven points in his uh, credo, and one of them was one of the seven. John Wooden was a famous basketball coach for the UCLA Bruins. Um, They won, I don't know, 10 national titles. Um, It was pretty impressive, the run they had. But his ability to, to teach and to, to stay the course day after day and to live a principled life, uh, a, a great family man, a great man of his community uh, was, was renowned. And, and what he had was seven points that uh, his dad had taught him of good living and one of them was to drink deeply of good books daily, comma, especially the Bible. And, and that, was, that was what he, he was instructed by his father. And, and that's this knowledge that we would now, nowadays in, in Wooden's era, it was just books. Nowadays, um, I, I really believe and, and hear my heart in this um, because I think sometimes we're not aware. Uh, so it's, it's not a choice. But, but by and large, in this day and age, to stay um, ignorant and to not take in information and knowledge is, is, is a choice. It's, it's so accessible. Um, it's so open source. There's this thing on the internet, it's called Google and (laughs) you can Google just about anything. 
and and gain knowledge. Um, you you can't trust every source on Google this day and age. So you do need to to try to work to gain uh, trusted sources. But books and John Audible, fixed our garbage disposal the other day using Google. I did. <laughs> and, it, and, and man, it was a sure uh, helpful because saved us a hundred bucks. The guy wanted a Hunsky to come out, and we wanted the garbage disposal in the sink to not look like it did. And you go to Google. And you know, one time I was in the dinghy, and uh, uh, we have like this five horsepower little Evan Rood that powers our dinghy, and uh, and I broke down in down the river a ways, and uh, I pull into my phone. I go on Google. I figure out why I'm not getting gas to the motor and I solve it and then boom, we're rolling. <laughs> I mean, that is power. That, I mean, that the power that is in our hands in terms of our phone has the power to destroy and it has the power to empower. It has the power to liberate nations. It has the power to cause great harm. It, it, the fact that we give a cell phone this is a total rant, but the fact we give a <laughs> cell phone, uh, you know, um, without too much instruction, um, I think I think we're really got to be careful. You know, we there's a lot of power in in the cell phone, and um, it certainly has one of the greatest powers of a tool. It's like any tool, right? You can use a hammer to build a house, and I could use a hammer to bash your head in, and um, it's an application of the tool. Uh, but yes, the knowledge is power. And so those are things like this, you know, you are in that category right now of taking in information that will should and will empower you forward if applied, right, which we'll get to. Um, knowledge, mentorship, uh, people who, who have done what you're looking to do is in this category. Like if you want to climb a mountain, find somebody who climbed that mountain. Mm. If you want to become a police officer, interview seven police officers, you know, make an investment in your knowledge, right? Everybody, if you offer to take somebody to coffee to learn about what they do, most people will say yes. Mm-hmm. Most people will say yes. And, and so that is a, a, an application of gaining knowledge. Um, I think there's kind of another side of it also of the knowledge piece and that's understanding the current state. So if you're, you know, in, in the business world, we would call that you, you're creating your current state. And then later you need to understand what your future state should look like. But I think that's the same thing for personally as well. You need to understand where am I at in order to know what do I need? What do I need to do differently later to change? That's really good. Can you give examples of, of ways that you found to gain the best self-knowledge? Cause I, I agree with you. I'm just, yeah, what are what are good ways and strategies to gain that knowledge of oneself? I've talked obviously a lot about just get quiet and having the conversations with ourselves. Do you have uh, any other ideas? Well, I mean, if you have specific if you have specific goals that you're working on, maybe you've got um, workout goals that I would like to run a marathon, for example. When we were doing our marathon, right. we had to understand. I needed to understand how much, how far can I run today in order to figure out what's my strategy or what's my plan in order to be able to have that vision of we're going to complete this marathon. And yeah. I, you know, so I work. I had to figure that out. I had to know what, how far can I run today? So now that's a great story because Adrian is wise. Okay, and so she did that. 
I, 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 the marathon for me is a phenomenal example of kind of running, you know, self-will run amok. Like, I, I was like, uh, you know, I just want to check this box. I want to run a marathon and complete a marathon uh, so that I can say I ran a marathon, completed a marathon. Adrian is, <laughs> you know, and so if I had really applied more in this knowledge category, frankly, I don't know if I would have ran. I don't know if I'd have ran a marathon uh, in the body type and condition that I was in. Um, now, the upsides of the marathon for me, because I was so ill-prepared to run the marathon, is that there were spaces in time that I got the opportunity to become really uncomfortable and to persist through and, and finish. And, and, and I had a lot of enlightenment through that. And so for that, from that basis, it was awesome. But I did not diligently apply KVA to the marathon personally. Yeah, I think in like a business environment, the, in order to understand what your current state is, you need to actually go to the source. You need to watch what that process is. You need to understand, talk to the people that actually do the role or do the yeah. job and really see what is happening. Yeah, get on the good, ground. Good, bad, or ugly. That's why I joke about driving and, Uber. It'd be fun because you'd meet a lot of people and, and you'd I, learn a lot. And, and I, I think that's the same sort thing. Of joke about it. And I think that's the same thing for personally as well. Get on the ground. Good, bad, or ugly. What are you excelling at? Take a, you know, take a thermostat or a temperature yeah. gauge. What are you excelling at? What do you feel like you need to work and on that, or improve? That's so good, because it, you know, and, and really, um, the applicable nature of becoming in proximity. Basically, getting in proximity to the, what's happening, getting in proximity to realities. You know, um, Tyler just came back from India. He's here. Uh, I was in Haiti last last month. Um, you know, I remember uh, maybe a year ago or so, I was visiting a friend in um, Berkeley, California, and uh, he's graduating this spring, and a uh, great friend and young life kid and. Uh, one of the best shout out to Rossi and um, he's going to do great things. He's got a great heart. Um, and Derek and I went down there and uh, we were in his dorm and he said that West Oakland was the eighth most dangerous city in America. And, and I know the mission that I'm on and, and I want to gain experience. You know, I just heard Jesse Itzler down at uh, this growth conference talking about this. Uh, he calls it building your life resume and gain experience firsthand and and see what the eighth most deadly place in America looks like. I, I called you. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, love you. You know, tell the kids I went out. I went out swinging. Um, probably wouldn't have been swinging. It probably would have been quick. But uh, but man, we went down there and we saw just a lot of calamity and and and, it, and you drive another seven miles and everything is totally 180 degrees but you can't it's like uh you know remember the good movie goodwill hunting you know and will had all the knowledge and this is where we'll get to vision and action will had all the knowledge in the world right he could recite books and he understood uh mathematics as good as anybody in the world but robin williams is like you cannot describe the Sistine Chapel from reading it in a book. 
you have to get on the ground. You have to experience it in order to be able to report about it. Mm. And and I think there is a space that you have to be conscious of. Tyler and I were talking about this beforehand as we we're gonna talk on this topic. Like you have to be conscious of just getting high or whatever on knowledge and discussion and discord and and ideas without the next two will not get it done. But it'll give you, it, what it gives us is the best chance at creating the vision and the mission that we need to be on. And so that's where we go next, right? So, so we're, we continually discipline ourselves to gain knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, and apply that to ourselves. So just like we yep. talked about last week, we yep. need to know who we are, be honest in our personalities and in our mission. Yep. Just be us, right? Be, be ourselves, you. be you. Big deal. And then be honest with, okay, then where, where am I at? Yep. From there. And yep. then what's our next step? Yeah. You have to be honest. It, you know, the, it, well, then let's go to vision, but just one more thing on that, that honesty is, is I think you can kind of, it helps to get 360 evaluation too. It helps to ask people who know you, um, what they see and what they think, uh, and what they perceive just to get a sense of how you show up because how you show up matters as well. You might be the most altruistic, <clears throat> and, and I'm afraid I've worked on this some. You, know, you, you might have the greatest uh, mission and ideas, but you got to show up in a way that causes people to appreciate and participate if that's the mission that you're on. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really good point. Yeah, um, 360 review. That's good. Mm-hmm. So. That's like if you have team members that report to you, that's in the understanding their perspective. Yeah. If you have, or if you have kids, yeah, that kids. could be kids. Malibu then, just told me, as I interrupt you. That's below, and mm-hmm. then above, Daddy, <laughs> above would be me. like if you have a boss, or if like maybe a parent. <coughs> I don't interrupt you though, do I? <laughs> and then do also really? within our peers, but you have different <laughs> peer groups that you work in, that you have. So like you have your family, that's sort of a peer group. Um, like yeah. your spouse, yep. but you also have other peer groups that you work in. Maybe you're a totally different person and somebody totally relatable when you're hanging out with your girlfriends, but for some reason, if you're a girl, or but yeah. for some reason when you go to work, you have a completely different personality. And maybe you see, maybe you're able to see those things or maybe you're not, yep. but that's something that I think that you could, um, you can learn from all you, those different you've, areas. You've pointed these things out to me in, a, in great space um, and I'm appreciative of that. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, you're, your mom sometimes you're like, John. I know what you mean, and I know what your heart is, but you say it in a way that's just like you might. You're not wrong. You're just an asshole. Like <laughs> that's not her words, by the way. That's Brian Spencer, best man of my wedding, used to say that when we were in college. Like, hey, you're not wrong, dude. You're just being an ass. And so, um, uh, you've yeah, you've done that, and uh, and given me good guidance about how I can show up in a way that um, hopefully doesn't destroy. Uh, values and relationships because because all the knowledge in the world and and then the next one even all the vision in the world um, absent love and care uh, for people who who likely appreciate the mission you're on um, I think you know it's you got to love your enemies uh, too uh, there's power in that and and you don't want to give them uh, undue focus and energy 
but you really don't want to, in my opinion, cause people who who are with you to not stay with you mm-hmm. because you act in a way that um, is contrary to um, causing them to, to move forward. And so the vision comes next. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that, though, can come back to what we talked about last week around this fear around what other people can think. Sure, so you got to be careful. Yep. Yeah, and so I think, you know, we want to work to build each other up and not tear each other down. Oftentimes when we're tearing somebody else down, it's because we're concerned or insecure around something that we see within ourselves. Right. And if we're able to identify those, be honest with them, put them down, we're less likely so good. to tear somebody else down for those those things that they maybe have already Yep. And, and one of the most powerful, to your point, one of the most powerful strategies, and then we'll go on a vision uh, of this interrelational uh, strifes, right, is forgiveness, right? To, to go to somebody and, 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 you know, first of all, forgive those that offend, but also to go ask for it, um, you know, and to try to make it right when, when we make mistakes. And, you know, and when we operate at high speed and, and we care deeply about the mission we're on, uh, we're going to have those, those, those things happen. And uh, I think one of the most beautiful places is on the backside of that, of that process where it's like, dude, I was being a jerk. I'm sorry. Or um, I was wrong. Uh, you know, will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Um, things become possible that were impossible previously. And, and so and as we're trying to achieve uh, goals and, and on the mission that we're on, um, I think that's a great point. We need to be very aware, uh, and the knowledge that we can gain of ourself is is powerful. And you know, self awareness, and um, you know, I think uh, social awareness, and you know, and understanding our habits and the things that we do, and how people will perceive them. Um, so not being totally reckless in our approach. So. Yeah, I mean, just really just encouraging others in their gifts. Yeah. The last thing I hate hearing when someone is talking about comparing, you know, how do you do so much? I hate hearing that question because it just makes me feel like they must be comparing something that they're doing to something that I'm doing. And then then it makes me feel like I'm not encouraging them in a way that I should be. That's a great point. That's an amazing insight to say, man, if I encourage people in their gifts, then the possibility um, and I teach this in a leadership academy too, um, and I believe in the power of what you're talking about, um, that the possibility for them to actually change their view of you and, and of what you're doing can occur in a positive way. And that's a really unique perspective because you get to be proactive, right, in our relationships, and we get to be proactive with the people that are in our lives and we give to give ourselves the best opportunity for success. And uh, so I really do, I love that. Um, the, the next phase we go to is vision. And vision is so overcomplicated sometimes. I heard a guy, Andy Andrews, he's written a ton of books and I was at a thing and I had a chance to talk to him for, for 15 or 20 minutes and then he spoke and um, Here's, he gets paid a lot of money to say stuff like this, too. And uh, it encourages me for maybe the possibilities of the future when it comes to monetization of helping encourage people. But anyway, I love Andy. I've sent him a bunch of notes. I'm st- if you're out there, Andy, I'm still looking for personal coaching from you. <clears throat> he said, uh, <laughs> it's true. 
he said, uh, oh, man, just he's he's unbelievable. If you want to read a book uh, and and guarantee you will not be disappointed in the book and, and it's got a historical basis, if you like history, you really have to read this book. And if you if you're the first one to ask us for this book, I'll mail you this book. It's called The Traveler's Gift. The Traveler's Gift. If you're listening to it, by the way, like if you listen yeah. to it on Audible, I got to be honest, it starts out a little hokey. It feels a little hokey because it's in storybook sort yeah. of form. Yeah. But it's really good. We really enjoyed it. We, we, we really did. And you know what Andy said on this vision point? He said, uh, you know how you move a mountain? Everybody's like, you know, there's like 500 people. How? Well, how? He goes, you move a mountain. It's like, what? <laughs> how do you move a mountain? You move a mountain. And, you know, as that started to sink in on me, and, and, and he is a big idea guy. You know, he was telling me he went to, to work for this corporation, and they'd done $4.8 in sales the previous year, and the CEO was like, hey, we're looking to see 20% increase in <clears throat> sales. You know, would you partner us with us in that? And he says, if you want to double, um, then, then I might be your guy. And he goes, we did $4.8 billion last year. He goes, yeah, so 9.6 or more. And sure enough, he signs on, and the next year they did 9.8 billion. And and it's a mindset hmm. of taking the lid off uh, of of what limitations might exist, and causing us to set targets that are so massive and and so inspiring that we get all the greatness out of. The organization and, and everybody's mobilized forward. You know, um, one of the greatest visions that I remember in my and I wasn't alive, but still to this day, that has had the biggest impact on me is when President Kennedy said we choose to go to the moon. He said we choose to go to the moon, and and he talked about some of the ideas and and, and why we we want to go to the moon and why mm-hmm. it'll be good to mobilize engineering in America and, and and science and technology on such an endeavor as putting a man on the moon. But man, I was going, I was mesmerized by that. And, and, you know, and 10 years later, we put a man on the moon and he never got to see it. Sometimes your vision might be so big that you will not get to see it come to pass. Mm-hmm. But if we are in knowledge and we are, we are you know, uh, refreshing our minds, like we've talked about, the renewing of our minds and not conforming to the patterns of this world, and we are, we are on mission. That that vision will come to pass, and um, and so we we've got to have vision. You know, Martin Luther King famously said, "I have a dream," right? And and you know what what what's great about that is 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 I believe, Malia Jackson said from the sideline about twelve minutes into that speech, she said. And he was just kind of going on. And he, she goes, Martin, tell him about the dream. And everything he was going to say there in Washington was pre-planned. And he put his notes aside. And then he talked about his dream. And, and I believe that the, the vision needs to be a collective vision. That when you have anything great, it's going to take a team of people who look at the possibilities, right? When Andy went into that company, there was a big executive team and a bunch of people that needed to get on board. And then they could bring their ideas and their passions and their talents and their gifts to bear. So vision is simply seeing something before it occurs, right? It's, it's, it's the manifestation of the mind 
And, and if you look, it's not complicated. Everything in our world, if you just look around from wherever you're looking at this podcast, if you're listening to it in your car, if you're listening to it on your phone, if you're listening to it wherever, just take your head and turn it to the right and to the left. And every single thing that you see started as a thought. It mm-hmm. started as an idea. And so we have to be clear in our vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay. I think people get caught off on trying to figure out, trying to write down visions or plans that have, that are reasonable, I guess. Right. Right. Like how, how am I going to get there? Right. Because and then you they don't stop fail. themselves because they don't know how they're going to accomplish it. Right. Right. And so, so what do you to, say to that? So what I say to that is, <clears throat> and I've been a, you know, I've, I've struggled sometimes to not set big enough targets. I've struggled, you know, really, um, I, I've, I've set pretty big targets. So I think uh, from what I could see at 20, um, 20 years old. And, and I think that, to your point, I think that so often um, a number of things come into play. One is, what's the story that people tell me around me as possible? The second one, which is, it's ultimately, if nobody's ever done something before, it's going to face resistance. It's going to get laughed at, right? Christopher Columbus is sailing west, to, you know, and they're like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going to the land over there. Do you know where you are? He's not worried about where he is. He's like, he's, we're, we're going over there. Um, you, you, have to be, you have to be so almost delusional in your thinking with, with big visions that y- people think you're crazy. Right. And um, and so if you care what people think, like we talked about last week, if you if you you allow those things to come into your world, um, it can it can slow your vision down. The challenge is to me and to what you're kind of alluding to is how much pain are you willing to bear? Big visions are going to bear a lot of pain. Period. There's not. Uh, a scenario there were, when I so Malibu and I two days ago we were watching in the snow um, a few days ago we were watching in the snow um, the the video about them landing on the uh, the moon right and so this engineer um, who had been in the war room to get us to the moon for five straight years with his comrades and people in the trenches uh, some of the smartest minds in America were recruited in this endeavor a lot of money, they loaded the boat, and we put a man on the moon. And he said, as glorious as that day was, and they showed a picture of his family, him and his three kids. He said, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't do it. And he got to be a part of the entire process of putting a man on the moon. And one of the challenges in leadership of a big mission is that there will be, you will incur collateral damage without exception. And so you have to, if you're going to be concerned and or it's going to stop you from moving forward, those occurrences, you will not get to the moon. And that's the give and take. And, and everybody wants to try and strike a, a happy medium. And I just, I just have not, seen it often. Well, I mean, I think it's that idea of balance, right? That I can't, 
I can't be everywhere at all at the same time. I can't volunteer at my kid's school for (coughs) X number of hours a day, work full time, have a beautiful, perfectly clean home all by myself, right? All of those things. If I want to do some of those things, I would need to either outsource them or find another method, right? And that's what Michelle Obama talked about in her book. And it was really, uh, you know, in the book Becoming and her big critique. Remember, you talked about it, I think, a little while ago was, um, you know, and lean in this idea of just lean in, uh, which is an awesome idea and concept. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg is tremendously bright. I remember seeing her speak in front of Congress in 2010 and you're somewhere in there and just being mesmerized by her intelligence and her passion and her charisma. Um, but Michelle said that, you know, one of the neglects of that book was that she has a phenomenal team. She has, you know, they had a few, a couple of nannies. They have people that take care of the house. They have people that cook food. They have, they have all, they have a lot of things outsourced such that, uh, she can apply a lot of her energy to vision and leadership. And, and now that still, you know, can have its drawbacks. You know, uh, last week I was on it. Like I said, I was on a call with Larry King and some folks and, uh, Larry said, my biggest failure, he goes, I feel like I'm mostly paraphrasing, mostly a failure in my personal life in the first 30 years of my career, because I was just totally focused on my work. But I don't think any of those things should stop you from creating a vision, but it does help you to get a better perspective of what types of things could you create a vision around. And I think it should be all aspects of your life. (coughs) Totally agree. So it's not just one section. It's not just business. It's not just one dream. It can be, you can have visions around each aspect. We have a vision around our book. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, everybody has, um, priorities and, you, you've got to know you've got to know what your priorities are and you've got to know what your non-negotiables are and and so when you're you're casting a vision um, you've got to know things that will never be sacrificed in order for a vision to be achieved and so you know one of the great examples of that uh, was told to me by uh, coach Boehner and he was talking with um, the late Don James who was the head football coach at the University of Washington his wife Carol and uh and Carol was talking about uh, Don. He was obsessively, you know, into a season. They lost a couple of really tough football games, and he's sleeping in his office for 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 weeks on at time. And uh, she comes in one night late, and she says, "This is just too much." And and he looks at her, and um, she goes, basically, she's saying, "You got to give this up." <clears throat> And, and he gets up and he's putting his whistle down and uh, ready to, to hang it up. And that was enough for her to relent. And she said, I just wanted to know that you would. I just wanted to know that you're with us and you're with our family and we love, we love what you do. And, uh, and they ended up, I believe, winning the Orange Bowl that season. But, but Dawn had... A priority choice to make and I think there are going to be times where we are tested in what our priority is and um, we can never put those things that matter 
less at the mercy of those things that matter more. And so that we have to continue to continue to take that knowledge in and, and keep ourselves and our, uh, you know, our saw sharpened and, and have the ability to, to make those decisions um, accurately when they come. Because you don't know when that day is coming. Uh, you don't know when those critical moments are going to come. You cannot prepare uh, for uh, an accident right before it happens. You, you either have your seatbelt on or you don't. So we need to stay ready for those things. And then the final uh, piece is once you know you've got visions in, in various areas, and you and you've got to review the vision consistently, consistently review your visions, consistently review and revise if it needs revision in some way, shape, or form, so that it can become more clear. Clarity is rewarded. Clarity is rewarded. So when you talk about how do you move a mountain, you move a mountain, that's clear. That's a clear vision. Um, and then it's going to take a lot of work. Uh, it, it's going to take effort. It's going to take continually pushing and, and continually acting. You know, I heard, um, I think it was Les Brown in the 80s, he was talking in a, you know, a big auditorium with people, and, and he was talking about this plant in Eastern Asia that for five years they water this plant, this tree, and, and there's nothing. So they keep watering it, they keep watering it, they keep watering it, and then at five years it starts to grow, and within five weeks it's 90 feet tall. <laughs> It's 90 feet tall. And so oftentimes visions are, are like hockey sticks, okay? And, and often actually it's like if you lay a hockey stick, not upright, like so you're holding it, but lay a hockey stick on the ground and then barely, barely maybe lift it off a little bit. That entire stick seems imperceivable. And, but that is time and that's action and that's persistence. And, and that entire stick you're, you're working through and, and you, you, you just keep falling and you keep falling and you keep falling and you keep messing up and, and, and you're trying to get it right and you're trying to master and you're trying to see this vision and you're trying to get there and you're trying to get there. And then at the end of that stick, where a lot of people quit, right, is right before that curve. Like they, they get halfway down the stick and they quit. But you never know where the curve is. Like it's like Martin Luther King said, faith is taking action without being able or taking the first step without seeing the whole staircase. You don't know where the curve in the hockey stick is going to be. So, but it will come. The curve in a hockey stick will come if your vision is clear and you continue to persist, whether it comes in your life or, or beyond. If your vision is clear, it will come. And, and, and I have seen this a thousand times over. So my encouragement, as it often is, and my mission is to encourage you to persist because that compounding effect that happens at that hockey stick is unbelievable. Like, like it, you can think of various times, like think about how long it took for the Berlin Wall to fall, right? Like, like somebody had a vision decades ago you know, like, or, or a long time ago, going, man, this wall is crappy, right? You know, you know, Winston Churchill had a vision in World War II. Victory. At all costs. Victory. That's a vision. And, and, and it and inspired enough action, which is the next phase, for it to come into realization. And I, and I do believe 
that the moral arc of the earth, as Martin Luther King talked about, uh, is long, but it bends towards justice. The moral arc of the world is long, but it bends towards justice. And so we also have to be conscious of the just nature of the visions that we have. And if they lack justice, they will lack power, and they will ultimately come to pass. Not come to pass, rather. So we need fail. to have visions. <laughs> fail. fail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so let's have visions that are just. Let's take action. Let's continue to, to sharpen our minds, and, and, and let's be great. Yeah, I think those long-term, longer, large, huge visions are exciting. My personality, I need those longer-term visions to look at and remind me, but then I need some shorter-term ones mm. to kind of keep me encouraged. And so I think you have sort of a your ideal state, but you also can have some future states that this is just my next, this is my next step, my next step to get me towards that. Yeah, that's awesome. Totally agree. Okay, I'm going to jump into kid quote of the week. So our kid quote of the week is... Um, John kind of alluded to this story with Malibu. So last week he was, um, the girls had to clean their closet. So all, basically the whole bottom of the closet was dirty clothes, maybe clean clothes, who knows what was down there. And then they have these memory boxes. And so a bunch of stuff from their memory boxes has been pulled out and it was just all over the bottom of the floor. So they had to clean their closet. So I had told them what the goal was, that there was nothing on the floor anymore and that everything from the memory box was back in their memory box. So if it was dirty, it needed to go in the dirty clothes basket. If it was clean, it needed to be put away. If they didn't know what it was, they had to put it into this other separate pile. So John goes down there to talk to him, and and Malibu is just totally overwhelmed. And so he says, well, don't worry about the whole thing. Just worry about this piece right here. And he picks up one piece. Where does this go? And Malibu goes, I just need to change my vision. So I have to change my vision. I'm overwhelmed by all of this stuff. But really, I just need to look at this one piece. And if I just keep looking at one piece, then eventually I'm done. Yeah. And she, and so she was teaching me, Mom, that's how you change your vision. You just look at one piece. And then eventually the whole thing's done. That's awesome. <laughs> it She's was, so cute. Yeah, it was awesome. She is um, wise beyond her years. Sometimes. They got done so fast, too. I was so proud. That was way faster than I was expecting. Yeah, praise the Lord, because mm-hmm. it was tough at first. And by the way, she she told me before that, as I was explaining to her that concept, that Daddy, you interrupt me, and she was right. And so I've been working on not doing that. So, and that is uh, one of my learnings um, is that I'm I'm working on listening well and better understanding the hearts of, of our kids, uh, even in the midst of me wanting them to take action. Um, the other thing that I'm learning is that clarity of vision is really important. Clarity and consistency. The two um, C's. The two C's. Clarity and consistency of vision really matters. Uh, it matters to not only uh, the carrier of the vision, but it also matters to those who, who want to be a part of a vision being carried out. Um, it is is tough when there's lack of clarity and it's tough when there's lack of consistency and so um, actions and and uh, directions and, and and ideas need to be in line with the clear consistent vision the thing I'm <clears throat> so that's what I'm learning okay what I'm learning is so we're looking back at our finances again just kind of trying to get back on to our budget 
And what I'm learning about that through that process is that if you're not paying attention to something, it can get out of hand quickly. And I think, I mean, we're not, we're not, it's not out of hand for us, but I just feel like that's a good reminder of if you start to lose focus on something, if you don't pay attention to what your goals are in the future, it's easy to just start spending like for money wise, exact for this particular example, it's easy to just start spending money on random things that don't actually matter when you're not every day looking at what's our goal, what's our vision. And then therefore, where should we be spending our money accordingly? It's awesome. So I'm learning that because I feel like our society is so good at just saying, Hey, you need this right now. Oh, you deserve, you deserve to go get an expensive back massage because you work so hard. (coughs) I could fall into that lie. Those things are legit. Or I could go get a $40 one. (laughs) Reflexology, baby. Give them a plug. The guy's, it was a little stinky last time. Yeah. He likes to smoke cigarettes um, (laughs) on his breaks. But the uh, but you got a deal, I think. So but my boy, yeah. So you but there's always going for. to be our society is always going to be able to tell us right. that we, oh yes, you deserve things. Yeah. I deserve to go yeah. spend the money yeah. on a Starbucks coffee every single day. Do yeah. I, or can I just make one at home for a lot cheaper? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm with you. That's there's what a, I'm relearning. Totally, and I, I think there's a slight balance. I think that. Um, you know, if you save four bucks on a Starbucks every day, uh, you know, and you do that for 25 years and you save money and that's your focus, I mean, you're still going to be broke, but, and you're going to be old, but, um, but no, I get it. I'm not it. saying I that's the only way. So here's, you need to here's have a my, plan. I'm with you. You need to have a plan and, and you need to execute and, and, uh, and really what she's talking about, you need to have, make sure you're having your budget meetings and, and reconciling against your goals consistently. And, uh. Henry Ford said this, and when I was in seventh grade, there was a guy named Sid Roland who came to our, our uh, junior high school, and I will never forget him. <clears throat> this guy was probably, I don't know, you're seventh grade, I don't know how old he was, probably 40 or 50. Um, you know, I'm getting there. Um, but he, so I thought he was an old man. But he, uh, Sid Roland, a handsome man, he used to say, it, my name is Sid Roland, I'm a handsome man, and his big quote for us was, you know, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you're right. Whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you're right. And Henry Ford said that. And and a lot of people thought that the horse was an adequate mode of transportation when he uh, decided to make automobiles. And and they he was a man with a vision. And and if you study Henry Ford, uh, he was there was a, a fair amount of collateral damage uh, to get things going and uh, one of his kids I think really kind of saved the Ford company uh, from going into total destruction um, based on you know Henry's drive but his quote is well taken the car is here and the company's still here so uh, whether you think you can or you think you cannot you're right and it's only like seven years or something before the car took off like if you look at pictures from seven years or ten it's only like seven years I think right seven years prior on the streets in New York it's all horses, and then bam! Right, and, they're taken and it's, off. And like as soon as you know you and believe and that. see that barrier for limitation, uh, it's like Roger Bannister when he broke the four-minute mile, which was, by the way, on Adrian's birthday, uh, forty years, thirty years before she was born. But he broke uh, the record thirty years before Adrian was born, and and then within months, nineteen people or so broke the four-minute mile after he did three fifty-nine. Last thing, and, and we're we're done, I believe. I'm loving. Uh, Jeremy's sitting here too and by the way 
Jeremy's one of the, he is the greatest Orange Theory fitness trainer that I know. I'm loving um, the circuit workouts and, and, and being part of the OTF, uh, Orange Theory Fitness. I hear uh, Kevin Turner owns most of them. And, uh, and, and I think Kevin is putting together a really good product and a really good team. And, uh, you know, I've seen more and more people from the community down there. If you're looking for uh, a consistent approach to your workout um, and a place where you'll be pushed and encouraged, uh, I highly recommend uh, Orange Theory Fitness. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks, friends. <laughs> Bye. Special thanks to our production crew, Fireland Filmworks, and our photographer, the Morgan Taylor. Thanks so much for listening to the Love the Process podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe, share, comment, and follow along on our journey of loving the process. Let's go.